Divine all blessings. Eshu Alekbuana Kosi Were Awo Undo Uto Nu Iwo Ada Afanbo Osi O Batalami Itani Ebo Onilio Abane Shu Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. The one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scattered to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu. Aboru, aboye, aboshishe, ashe. May our ebo reach a rune. May our ebo be accepted. May our ebo allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, ashe, asheo, and ashe. Divine, all-blessed, greetings and salutations. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elogun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective. Ah, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation. It is my reiteration and my ever-living reality. All of the blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my works along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother, Father, Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding, the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality, and so it is, Ashe, Asheo, and Ashe. Greetings, beloved. This Monday, I am indeed emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum, universally, from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince. Thai potions, hoodoo central in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America. New Orleans, Louisiana, 
the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this spiritualist who do obey a life path and journey, passing down the great obia stick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, indeed our ceremonies, indeed our lifestyle, and as our beloved Denise Augustine shares, indeed the legacy, the culture, and tradition of our sacred stories. I want to say, while it's on the tip of my tongue, be mindful that we are actively now running our Tour Plus Experience campaign. There's nothing else like it in the city of New Orleans. There's nothing else like it among other tour companies and guides within the community. I might be a little bit prejudiced, but I consider Denise Augustine and many others do to be a consummate master historian, teacher, griot, storyteller, indeed the sharing and the retelling of our sacred stories. And of course, I offer the voodoo history and tradition and lifestyle component to our tour plus experience. So we, we invite you to contact both myself and Denise, but you can contact me at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. You can also reach me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com by way of email, OurSacredStories.com. And before we move forward, understanding that the creation of sacred space is critical to all that we do, all that are, who we are, where we be at any moment in this present moment in time space. And indeed, I stand on the shoulders of great and mighty ancestors. We stand on the shoulders of great and mighty ancestors. I am because my creators are all powerful, receptive, open to operate in all that is for my good, that mirrors my best image. I also want to remind you, if you haven't heard it before, if it hasn't been said to you before, the black woman is God. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. And indeed, humanity passes through, 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 through the womb of our great mothers, our great ancestral mothers. And so, indeed, we're all born God. Just as we are all born human, we are all born God. We are. I am because Indeed, we are. We are not all born adults, but we're born human, and we go through infancy and adolescence and childhood and teen and and, and young adults, and so we indeed are born God, but we are born to walk, create, and create a journey that we walk. We are born to walk the journey that we create and recreate that mirrors our best interests. And the, blessed, uh, the blessing in that is that we can 
change our minds. We can start again. We can begin anew. We can make a difference in this present moment in time space. We can choose to start again. We can choose to breathe and start again. We can choose to breathe and recreate a reality that mirrors our best interests. I am because my creators are. I am because the ancestors indeed are. I create and recreate the reality that mirrors my best interests. And I can release and let go of those things which impede my progress. (laughs) The fire that dwells within consumes all but the truth. And for that, I'm grateful. And we never lose connection to spirit, nor the spirit realms. Indeed, we never lose connection to the ancestors. For indeed, science now confirms what we've always known in ATR, that our ancestors, that the dead never leave us, but indeed survive, live on, are created and recreated in our blood, in the very coding of our DNA. Ancestral memory survives in the blood. So indeed, as we move forward, understanding that spiritual knowledge and power lies in its efficacy and its ability to produce and manifest powerful, reliable, tangible, lasting manifestation and results. Right here and right now in this most present moment in time space, all else is vanity, all else is ego, all else is an illusion. And I greet each and every one of you. Shamafia, beloved, welcome and thank you so much for being so consistent participant in the show. Thank you, Nina Lloyd. Greetings, beloved. We so welcome you and appreciate your continued love and support. Thank you so much, Javon, Denise. Welcome, girlfriend. Peace and blessings to you and yours. Things are changing. Things are transforming. Things are manifesting. Just now, as you breathe, know this. Greetings, Chef Bougie. Welcome, beloved, to you and indeed yours. I know that the uh, beloved Iya is probably not too far behind you. Greetings, S. Marie. Greetings, greetings. Thank you so much for listening at work. Thank you. I really appreciate my uh, listening audience and co-hosts and participants who are in their workspaces who find a way to listen. They can't always call in. They can't always turn on a camera, but they're present and they always make their presence felt and known. And I'm most certainly grateful and appreciative. Greetings, Mick Sag Hall. Welcome for representing and being with us, beloved. Thank you kindly. You know, I found out something curious earlier today, that that hand sign symbol uh, that Mick Sage Hall has on her uh, chat right now. Uh, many of you use that as a prayer sign, uh, but, but I heard today that that was actually high five. So when I think about the the transitional post, the funerary post, uh, where we often sort of see that (laughs) and and wonder if people understand the full meaning behind the symbols. Symbols are powerful. Thank you so much, Mick Sage Hall. Greetings, beloved. 
Greetings, Prince Dragoon. Hello. Greetings, beloved. Thank you for being with us. J.P. Tarot. Greetings, greetings. J.P. Tarot readings. Greetings. Uh, J.P. Tarot has up that symbol. I was told that's a high five, so I, I high five you right back, beloved. <laughs> all, all is a blessing. The goat rider, the master builder. Welcome, beloved. Welcome, aboru aboye aboshishe. Yes, and indeed we give thanks for all divine manifestation. It is a high five, indeed. The goat master said, <laughs> "Yeah." But I think when you know a lot of people, you know, we use these symbols sometimes. You know, as we do the the various languages of the world, uh, we sort of bend and sculpt English regionally even from neighborhood to neighborhood sometimes, you know, to sort of fit our our need, our interpretation and translation. So somewhere that has also become sort of the prayer hand. But, yeah, I found out, uh, what's, the, what's the new saying? How old were you when you found out? I was today years old when I found out that that was a, a high five signal and, and not the praying hands. So greetings to each and every one of you who's listening internationally by way of blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. I welcome you. I welcome your listenership and your continued participation. You can also dial area code 845. 845- Two seven seven nine one four three eight four five two seven seven nine one four three. Remembering to press the number one on your telephone keypad only when you're ready with your question, comment, or request. And please be patient with me. Uh, I, I'll take a moment to catch my breath, and then I will scan my phone chat, and then I will see your hand raised, and I will unmute your mic. Area code 845-277-9143, And I didn't realize I didn't have Blog Talk Radio in as a banner. So I'm typing that in as we speak, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the divine print. There we go. It's scrolling at the bottom of the screen. So I'm grateful for your continued support and participation. You can also follow the welcome link for today that's in the chat and now present on the screen. I'll also paste it in the uh, chat again, one more again, as we used to say. to give those who wish to utilize the video audio option the opportunity to come on in, come on in, come on in. I'm going to talk about some, I think I talk about deep information every day. At least I do in my own head, in my own mind. And often the feedback that I get is as varied and and diverse indeed as our international audience. But it is also um, strongly leaning towards information, knowledge, truth, empowerment, 
awareness. And indeed, since I first started this podcast back in my early blog talk radio days, uh, I believe the actual date is um, December 23rd, 2008 was the first time I started podcasting, you know, in this way. And then uh, three years ago, I believe, I started doing YouTube live uh, as a response to some technical issues that we were having at the time with Bob Talk Radio. And then someone introduced me, I believe it was Kiona, our uh, chat moderator, introduced me to StreamYard. And so that's how we sort of developed this sacred space, this virtual sacred space that we indeed share here together at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time when I'm able to broadcast. And so I want to talk more about our cultural legacy as Africans, Pan-African, diasporic Africans uh, in the world and how we are the living embodiment and indeed the living legacy of the plans and wishes and desires and indeed the fears and and anxiety uh, of our ancestors, our most ancient ancestors and indeed our more recent ancestors. And there is a cultural legacy of practice, tradition, and, and belief that has a you know, like a coin has two faces, a, a face that fits neatly, compartmentalizes neatly into the quote-unquote American uh, lexicon of, of cultural nuances. Uh, and then there's that which is, you know, real only to those who are actively involved and in practicing uh, in these practices and traditions at, at the grassroots level, at, at the community level, in your houses, in your homes. Uh, indeed, in your in your bosom that don't often mirror uh, the Western uh, interpretations of what our cultural legacy is here in the Americas. I've said on on many occasions that the African American legacy often has been stepped on, even where we are acknowledged and, and highlighted and given great honor and, and tribute. It's still often stepped on in in the conversation of of, uh, traditional African culture, Pan-African culture, and the diasporic representation of that culture, the black presence in in North America, the African presence in in North America still continues to a great deal to be stepped on and limited to just slavery, just the Middle Passage, just you know, out out of slaves, here we are today, and have been accused of not maintaining an an authentic connection to our ancestral roots and traditions. And and we are guilty, many of us, of fostering this this belief, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, when we continue to seek outside ourselves for cultural legitimacy, and indeed, cultural legacy. There's nothing wrong with exploring and visiting and traveling to and, and investing in our Pan-African diasporic footprint. I, I support uh, 
those who seek to, you know, move to Ghana. I, I love the YouTube videos of, of black individuals and, and black families who moved to Ghana, moved to Senegal, moved to Egypt, you know, moved to other, you know, parts of the world. It's always uh, beneficial and enlightening and culturally edifying to travel within our country. And indeed, if you can afford it and, and have the resources and the time and, and, and all the necessary components in place, indeed, travel, travel, travel. But I'm talking about cultural legacy. What is our cultural legacy? The, the uh, descendants of the Middle Passage, born here in North America, in, in the U.S., what is our cultural legacy as it, as it speaks back to our ancient grandmothers and, and grandfathers of, of the great motherland? What indeed do we continue to, to bring to the table, continue to feed continue to support uh, and indeed continue to, to protect as we uh, grow and, and edify ourselves, but simultaneously create a foundation, a, a lattice work, a, a blueprint that the present generation and those coming after us will indeed continue to be able to pick up uh, and follow. What What is that cultural legacy. And those of us who are indeed alive and under the sound of my voice have the opportunity to create and recreate African cultural legacy for ourselves right here, right now in this most present moment in time space. The contemporary Americas have benefited from the intellectual heritage of three major cultural groups the Native Americans or the indigenous aboriginal peoples of this land, the European, and the African. Much of the scholarship concerning Africans in the Americas has functioned under the myopia of the deficit model, a term frequently used by Robert Barrett Thompson to explain the tendency of scholars to view African cultural contributions as non-existent or at best deficient. You've heard me talk about our desire to, you know, get our groove back in Jamaica to find, somehow find our roots and our connections in Haiti to indeed reconnect with Ghana, with Nigeria, with, with Cameroon. And, and I'm not here to, to say that that's not a, a beneficial thing. I'm not here to say that that's not a good thing, but we must stop, overturn, erase, rewrite the idea that our African traditional contributions are non-existent or somehow deficient to Cuba or Panama or Puerto Rico or Brazil. The deficit model presumes that because of their lack of material goods, and deprived social conditions under the yoke of shadow slavery, Africans were unable to contribute in any significant way other than their labor to the formation of the cultures in the Americas. I've talked about the edict straight out of the, the Roman, what they say, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, which allowed the enslaved 
Cuban, and subsequently Spanish-speaking ethnic groups of our people to accept Catholicism, show up for your Catholic rites, but indeed you can keep your traditions, practice your, your traditions on your downtime. And so the Lukumi that we see, the Santeria that we see, the Palo that we see coming out of the Caribbean, coming out of South America, Kendable seems whole, seems organized compared to how we track the African cultural legacy among our people here in North America, which was indeed forced to go underground. Lest you be beheaded, behanded, foot removed, ear removed. Indeed, we could not drum, couldn't dance, especially after the Haitian Revolution. Understand, the Haitian Revolution only made things worse for us when it came to voodoo demonstration. After the Haitian Revolution and the fear of revolt, we were not allowed to drum. We were not allowed to gather. We were not allowed to organize. We were not allowed to to, to do anything, including Christianity, that appeared to empower us in any way. And because of the forced or involuntary nature of the African diaspora, it is often forgotten that these mitigating groups, in this case enslaved humans, carried with them more than just their bodies. We brought cultures religious tradition, artistic forms, philosophies, social mores and ideas which govern and political organizations use and utilize till this day. Our African cultural legacy went underground in some cases, lived on in other cases that, that are a little bit more out in the open, like our rituals around New Year's, the keeping of a, a, a fresh new broom behind your front door, your horseshoes, you know, those are what I call the more outward demonstrations that survive. Now, now I didn't mean the meaning always survived or always correlated geographically from one, you know, village to the other, one family to the other, one plantation to the other. But for the most part, organizing had to become either underground or absorbed into what we now call American culture. Much of what is American culture grew out of the Deep South. And indeed, I might be prejudiced. I would say grew out of Louisiana, (laughs) New Orleans, Mississippi, and, and then spread throughout the country. And when we understand the, the usage of the Mississippi River at the, at the Gulf of Mexico, once upon a time before your superhighways, there were no highways, there were no paved roads. The, you know, the transportation superhighway of America was the Mississippi River. And so indeed things entered the country through New Orleans and then spread throughout the rest of, of the country. Writing about Karl Marx and the black radical tradition, historian Cedric Robertson eloquently states that Marx 
had not realized fully the cargoes of labor also contained African culture, critical mixes and admixes of language and thought, of cosmology, metaphysics, of habits, beliefs, and morality. These were the actual terms of their humanity. These cargoes then did not consist of intellectual isolates or decultured blacks. Men, women, and children separated from their previous universe. African labor brought the past with it, a past that had produced it and settled on it the first elements of consciousness and comprehension. And we believe in our ignorant imaginations that, you know, they had no gods, they had no language, they had no religion, uh, that they were somehow, uh, you know, brainwashed and wiped clean um, like, like an android, resetting an android, and, and that these were just bodies that somehow couldn't remember, had no recollection. And anyone who's, you know, heaven forbid, ever suffered trauma, abuse, deals with PTSD, you know, understands the idea of not trying to remember something, particularly something so traumatic. So our ancestors absolutely remembered, and, and, and when in the, the, the best environment shared, talked about it, repeated it, hid it somewhere, covered it over in, in, in Western, you know, uh, masking to, to hide something of great value so that it would live on for this generation today this generation of spiritualists and healers and magical practitioners and, and, and witches to indeed tap in to that vibration, that conversation, because ancestral memory survives in the blood, that, that speaking to you is the ancestors, that speaking to you is spirit, that waking you up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning is, is God and the ancestors and spirit calling you in the twilight hours to be more conscious, to be more attentive, and then to act and take that energy and follow up on that energy and bring it into physical world manifestation. Africans brought with them to the Americas their most important possessions, their mind, their consciousness. Those minds were and are essential in the formation of the world we now inhibit. Those minds functioning under the terror of slavery and continued oppression also contain the treasure of African philosophy and spirituality. The Yoruba, the Congo, the, the Mandi, the Akan, the Ba, the Igbo, and many others. This treasure, although often unacknowledged, misattributed, or seen as only popular culture without specific historical or cultural connection to an African root, has become the vibrant and leavenor of world culture. As we shall see, much of the planet thinks, prays, plays, dances, and sings using the models created, established, and disseminated by Africans 
and in the African diaspora. Eight relevant texts for my bookworms out there. Eight relevant texts for my readers under the sound of my voice. And I'm going to try and copy and paste these books into the chat to the best of my ability, if you just be patient with me. Eight relevant texts attempt to fill some of the gaps in the history of the African cultural contributions uh, to America. Flash of the Spirit, African and Afro-American Art and Philosophy, and second book, Faith of the Gods, Art and Altars of Africa and the African-Americans. Give me a second. Let me copy and paste. Greetings, beloved, the Goddess Initiative. Welcome. Welcome to the gathering of sacred minds, gods and goddesses. Okay. Those two books are in the chat for your leisure, and there will be several more books, so be patient with me. Flash of the Spirit. African and Afro-American Art and Philosophy. Faith of the Gods, Art and Altars of Africa and the African Americas, both by Robert Ferris Thompson. I could not include uh, all of that into one blank or it'll break up in the chat. So the author is Robert Ferris Thompson. Illustrate the continuing influence of African religion in the Americas. These two books illustrate the continuing influence of African religions in the Americas. Okay. Working the Spirit. That's what, book three? Working the Spirit, Ceremonies of the African Diaspora by Joseph M. Murphy. Focuses on five African-based religions in the Americas and the Caribbean. Uh, Let's see. Fourth book, Africa and Africans in the Making of the Atlantic World, 1400 to 1800 by John K. Thornton. So give me a second. Um, copy and paste that. Okay. Thank you in my chat. Hello, Oracle Treehouse. Greetings, beloved. Welcome to the Sacred Circle. Okay, here, there we go. Work in the Spirit, Ceremonies of the African Diaspora by Joseph M. Murphy. Uh, forgive the typo. Focuses on five African-based religions that have continued, that have manifested now here in, in, in the New World. Okay, in the fourth book, um, popping that into the chat. Africa and the Africa and Africans in the making of the Atlantic world uh, circa 1400 to 1800 by John K. Thornton offers a carefully documented 
record of Africans in the Atlantic world. Book number five, African Roots, African Cultures. Let me say that again. African Roots slash or forward slash American Cultures. Africa in the Creation of the Americas by Sheila F. Walker. Let me introduce that into the chat. African Roots forward slash American Cultures, Africa in the Creation of the Americas, edited by Sheila S. Walker uses 24 authors, including cultural leaders and artists, to illustrate the depth and complexity of the African contribution. Next book, Rethinking the African Diaspora, edited by Christian Mann and Edna G. Bay, focuses on the influence of the Bite of Benin on Brazil. You know, the Bight of Benin is one of my more favorite regions to focus on when I'm doing my research and study, uh, particularly as it relates to Louisiana. We, we know that the first ship arriving in Louisiana, bringing our enslaved ancestors, uh, came from, originated from that Bight of Benin. We also now understand that Brazil uh, was was the top location for exporting or importing enslaved Africans. So in, in terms of the numbers of Africans brought to this, this world, uh, the largest percentage were carried from the Bight of Benin onto Brazil. Beads, body and soul, art and light. In the Yoruba universe, I know that some of you are already going to like these uh, Ifa books, Beads, Body, and Soul, Art and Light in the Yoruba universe by Henry John Drewall and John Mason. See if we can get that in the chat. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, for participating, for supporting. We appreciate you. So beads, body, and soul, art, and light. Beads, body, and soul, colon, art, and light in the Yoruba universe by Henry John Drewall and John Mason reveals the visual and intellectual beauty of Yoruba art in Africa and in the Americas. And then Central Africans and Cultural Transformations in the African Diaspora, edited by Linda Haywood. Central Africans and Cultural Transformations In the American Diaspora, edited by Linda Haywood, is concerned with 
the Central African or Bantu influence in the Americas. Many of my listeners and my clients and my godchildren, my initiates, um, have done DNA, and, and many of us have used, among many other sites, because many often we, we use more than one site, uh, but many of us have, have tried the Ancestry.com, which is indeed one of my more favorite sites. And Bantu is a classification, an ethnic uh, unit, one of the few ethnic-based um, name, language, you'll find in the Ancestry.com test results. Uh, and so Central Africans and Cultural Transformations in the American Diaspora, edited by Linda Haywood, seeks to demonstrate the Bantu and Central African footprint as it continues to show up and manifest here in the Americas. Three other texts offer similar information for the United States. Africanism in American Culture by Joseph E. Holloway. You can also find um, many of these books, if not all of them, in my Google Books. I've read um, almost all of these books at one point or another. Uh, the God's Initiative is 20% banned, too. Greetings, Alexis Williams. Welcome, welcome, beloved. I would have to look at my uh, my test results. Give me a second, see if I can uh, yeah, 18% Cameroon, Congo, and Western Bantu people. 18% in my in my case. I'm a great deal more uh, Nigeria-based, 35%. And then ethnic groups, um, I have more than one ethnic group in my in my footprint. Uh, let me check my chat real quick. Uh, okay, I hope you all are getting the book. Uh, is that showing up okay? Yeah. If you are watching the podcast and, and you want the books, you, you're most certainly going to have to um, access the chat. The chat will be connected to the video and in YouTube in the archive, and you will be able to go back and write down these books, which help to, again, demonstrate sort of the, the arrival and, and maintenance of what already exists in our blood, in our ancestral heritage. And these books represent our demonstration of that heritage. Indeed, our cultural legacy and we have the opportunity, thank you, Nina Lloyd, and we have the opportunity to create and recreate African cultural legacy that will continue to live on 
beyond us and indeed into the next generation and, and, and those thereafter. I think there's a, a sort of a fear and, and anxiety around losing of culture, um, assimilation, uh, disease, and, and as we, you know, continue to be sort of the, the, the quote-unquote melting pot of the world, um, we, we see sort of people losing layers of their uh, heritage and cultural legacy um, to take on a more Western-based ideology and, and approach to culture, legacy, and tradition. Uh, Black Legacy, America's Hidden Heritage by William D. Pearson. Black Legacy by William D. Pearson. Uh, Give me a second to copy and paste that for you. You you can always screenshot... uh, you can always go back and freeze the video and archive. And, of course, you can always, um, in archive, just copy and paste it directly from the chat. So that was Black Legacy, American's Hidden Heritage by William D. Pearson. Next book, Exchanging Our Country Marks, The Transformation of African Identity in the Colonial and Antebellum South by Michael Gomez. Exchanging Our Country Marks, The Transformation of African Identities in the Colonial and Antebellum South by Michael Gomez. And then there's one text, Black Marxism, The Making of the Black Radical Tradition by Cedric Robertson, succeeds in placing the African-American struggle for political consciousness in a larger historical context. Copy and paste. These are just a few of the relevant books and texts, but they offer examples of um, our ability to maintain stewardship and produce excellent recent scholarship as it relates to our continued um, knowing and and regrowing and, and refining ourselves. Um, from sort of a, a, a idea of, of in our heads of who we were and, and indeed what we lost to a more uh, present, uh, who am I, what do I represent, and indeed what, what stands up in me from my ancestral cultural lineage? And how does that then manifest? In my, as, a, as a part of my legacy, as my legacy, and the continuation of legacy. Africans in the Americas had various ways of resisting slavery and oppression, including but not limited to work slowdowns, breaking of tools, escape, and indeed revolt. Revolts 
and Runaways gave the Americas numerous heroes, particularly in the Caribbean, Central America, and South America. Those here in North America are rarely spoken of or under-researched. Uh, uh, one that I honor acknowledge every June 19th uh, is St. Milo, St. Juan Milo here in New Orleans, who was a, a maroon leader who uh, sort of led an entire camp of runaway, um, self-freed Africans, if you will, out in the, the swamps of, of New Orleans East, uh, subsequently was caught, you know, by the government, beheaded in, in Jackson Square, uh, that, that place that many of you know so well, along with many other maroon leaders who often escaped, uh, returned for supplies, sometimes returned to do their jobs, and they would escape again and would disappear out into the, the bayous of, of Louisiana. So we, we have a, a history of, of resistant, resistance throughout sort of the, the uh, mid-Atlantic slave trade footprint, the America, Caribbean, Central America, South America. Some exceptional leaders are still celebrated. Captain Limba in the Dominican Republic, Yanga in Mexico, King Zombie in Brazil, uh, King Bincos Biojo in Colombia, King Bayano in Panama, Queen Grandy Nanny, and Captain Cocho in Jamaica, King Miguel Guacamaya in Venezuela, Mackendall and Bookman in Haiti, and uh, again, um, St. Milo here in, in Louisiana, who's just not given nearly enough coverage, um, and, and, and many others who I've talked about in, in previous shows who are not as acknowledged as some of these uh, maroon leaders indeed were and, and continue to be. And although not as well known as the others, um, John Horst, A.K. Juan Caballo, or Gopher John, also uh, here in, in, in North America and in Mexico. Many of these maroon leaders claimed a royal heritage, hence their title, king and queen. Given the royal intrigue in many African kingdoms, their claims of an um, aristocratic, aristocratic heritage may well be true. More importantly, the popular imagination has offered them a coronation by consensus in which legends and songs have declared their nobility. Zombie of Palmares was celebrated in recent recordings as a king and as a lord. As Brazilian pop singer Jorge Ben put it, I want to see what will happen when Zombie arrives. Zombie is the lord of war. Zombie is lord of demand. When Zombie arrives, it will be he who commands. And some of you might be familiar with Zombie. We have Grand Zombie, the Grand Zombie, a voodoo deity specific to New Orleans. 
And so these these names and these heritages and, and these lineages um, often make a crossroads, intersect in, in places much unknown to us uh, until research, until discovery, indeed until DNA uh, analysis is often performed to sort of connect the dots for us here in the, in the Americas. Beginning in 1978, members of the black movement and other activists formally celebrated Zombie Apalmares as the national hero of Afro-Brazilians. Liberated African communities were called by different names depending on their location. The English word maroon comes from the Spanish cimarron, which in turn has an Arawak or Cano origin. Cimarron originally referred to domestic cattle that had taken to the hills in Hispaniola, and soon after it was applied to American Indian slaves who had escaped from the Spaniards as well. By the end of the 1530s, the word had taken on strong connotations of being fierce, wild, and unbroken, and was used primarily to refer to African-American runaways, maroons, simaroons. Simaroons became Seminole, which in turn became Seminole in English. Many enslaved Africans brought with them the skills used in the process of maroonage. In the kingdom of the Congo, for example, those affected by the continuous civil wars between 1641 and 1718 had to learn how to mobilize troops or even whole villages, evacuate an area, and resituate in a protected or unreachable location. These logistical skills were exactly the ones necessary to establish and maintain maroon communities. In most of the Spanish-speaking Americas, remember Louisiana was first a Spanish territory. In most of the Spanish-speaking Americas, maroon societies were known as palenques, Spanish for arena, enclosure, palisades. Although in Venezuela, they were also called combes. Creole language scholar Ian Hancock explained that the strongest connotations of African-influenced languages found in the Americas occur in areas that contained maroon settlements. It should then come as no surprise that some of the names for these types of settlements are in African languages. In Brazil, they are known as Quilambo from the Kikango and Kimbandu, Kimbandu, Quilambo, meaning respectfully troops, military units, capital, town, settlement, confederation. Brazilians also called them Mocambos from the Kimbandu, Mucambu meaning hideaway. Many of these specific communities had and have names that indicated their geographic affinities to Africa. For example, El Kalanga in Cuba and Kalanga in Brazil 
indicates a Bantu or Central African origin, for at least the name. Kalanga, as it is written in Kikongo, is an important word in South America, Caribbean, and Central American religious thought. In Kikongo, it can mean ocean, sea, or God of change, with the implications of vastness and completeness. Runaway communities produced major problems for the system of slavery and were described by plantation societies as the chronic plague and gangrene. If a slave is defined as a person held in servitude as the shadow of another, then once they have run away, they are no longer slaves. Most texts refer to ex-slaves with privileges, their potentially temporary social position of enslavement over their permanent humanity. The other inaccurate term is runaway slave, which by definition is illogical. In discussing the Maroons, I prefer the term self-liberated Africans, self-freed Africans. These self-liberated Africans established thousands of communities in the Americas, including here in New Orleans. I'm sorry, including here in Louisiana. For example, in the Cuban province of Pinar del Rio, during a five-year period, 1837 to 1842, one Maroon hunter attacked 41 different palanques. Many maroon societies exist today, with Brazil having the largest amount. Just one state, Maranejo, and, and, and forgive me for my Portuguese not being on point. It's a little bit different than Spanish. Maranejo in northern Brazil still has over 400 Colombos, with only nine officially recognized by the government. Suriname and French Guyana in South America also have vibrant maroon communities whose main groups are the Indiuka, Indiuka, N-D-Y-U-K-A, Saramaka, the Matawe, and the Aluku or Boni, Paramaka, and the Kewinti. Owing mainly to the scholarship of Richard Price, Sally Price, and Kenneth Bilby, there is an excellent body of work in English documenting the Maroons of Suriname and French Guyana. The history and concerns of Jamaican Maroons have also been well recorded by Kenneth Bilby, Marvis Campbell, Edward Camus-Berthwaite, and Carla Gottlieb. Africans, in their longing to be free, also established other models for all inhabitants of the Americas, including Europeans. As Cuban scholar and social activist Carlos Moore wrote, after being cut off from the motherland for almost a century, the black slaves had lost all hope of returning to Africa. They now recognized this land, Cuba, as their land, their home. But this process of Cubanization on the part of black slaves taking place in the midst of the harshest of conditions 
imposed by slavery did not involve the Spanish in any way. In other words, blacks were becoming Afro-Cubans, whereas the whites were remaining Spanish. Europeans were sending their children to Paris, London, Madrid to be educated and acculturated. There indeed was a, a class of Creole here in Louisiana that sent their children to Paris uh, to be educated. As more indicated, the ideas of independence in this new environment were established by Africans. In some cases, these ideas were Native American, as in the example of the Iroquois League and its influence on the Constitution of the United States. I would like to point out also that the models for independence were Quilambos, Palanques, and Maroon Societies. I live, you know, I'm blessed to say, and, and, and you know, again, I, I like to brag, I live in the first free black community in America, the first free black neighborhood in America, Treme. And indeed, we have to keep our foot on the neck of the mayor and our politicians and our, and our local government to ensure that this sacred footprint is not erased further and that there is not only any city hall in Armstrong Park, but that it's not allowed to degrade or, or right away, you know, without great honor and care and improvement. Uh, as it relates to its uh, uh, further redevelopment. So many of these original black communities were based on maroon culture, maroon, successful maroon villages and communities that existed under the thumb of enslavement, but then continued to exist on beyond uh, enslavement, or, or legal enslavement, I should say. Palenques in Cuba were islands of freedom in the sea of colonial oppression. In the early 1600s, while the Europeans and Mexico were still in a, alliance with Spain, there already existed an independent, non-indigenous republic led by Yanga and Veracruz. In Brazil, while the Dutch and Portuguese were fighting over uh, Amerindian land, the African-based but multiracial Quilombo dos Palmares, Quilombo dos Palmares, Quilombo of the Palms is what that means, existed for approximately 100 years. 1595 to 1695. The motto of Palmares was Quam via param amor a libertad Whoever comes for the love of liberty stays. While celebrating the 300th anniversary of the death of Zombie, the leader of Palmares and now the most celebrated Afro-Brazilian hero, 
Ambassador Raimondo Sousa Dantas points out that Paul Mares debe celebrado como el primero movimiento social onde anochos de ciudadanía comeca a I hope my Portuguese <laughs> don't sound crazy. Palmeiras should be remembered as the first social movement where the notion of citizenship, I'm sorry, where the notion of citizenship began to arise in the new world. Africans longing to be free established the models for Brazilian independence that are still relevant to African Brazilians in the 21st century. This is illustrated by the recent creation of numerous groups using Quilombo in their name. Quilombo Today, a group of African-Brazilian writers. Quilombo Artistic and Recreational Association, a samba school and movement created by Kenya Nia Lopez and Martino Davila. Quilomboism, a social political project organized by Afro-Brazilian writer and political leader Abdias do Nascimento. By choosing these names, these groups are consciously reclaiming resistance as a necessary part of their daily lives. And so in Black Mass in culture and tradition here in New Orleans, you have those of us who consider ourselves Maroons, not necessarily Mardi Gras Indians or Black Carnival Indians, but indeed Maroons who continue the, the cultural legacy of resistance by reclaiming identity and tradition through Black cultural masking your baby dolls, your second lines, your funerary rites, your Mardi Gras day and carnival uh, expectations for masking Indians and, and skull and bones and, and other black masking cultural figures, uh, the Zulu club, um, all, all those things that maintain the continuance of cultural legacy. And in the mid-1970s, a debate arose in Brazil regarding what would be the appropriate date to celebrate Afro-Brazilian heritage. The Brazilian government chose May 13th, the day Princess Isabel signed the papers supposedly freeing the enslaved population. Uh, That sounds very familiar to our Juneteenth celebration, acknowledging uh, the the legal liberation of, of the enslaved Africans uh, arriving late to Texas. Um, and many people, uh, again, t- still today celebrate and acknowledge uh, Juneteenth. But that will be the day that I'm acknowledging maroon culture and our localized maroon leader and hero, St. Milo. Princess Isabel was forced to sign the uh, freeing of the enslaved people because of their fierce resistance. I'm sorry, was forced to sign 
um, because of their fierce resistance to slavery, not only out of the kindness of her heart, they insisted, I'm sorry, they instead chose November 20th, the day when Zumbi was killed, as Zumbi Day or the Day of Black Consciousness. Copuero or Copuera, Angola, Master Pedro Moraes Trinidad wrote a what's called a Landanha or a song used to open the ritual of play or joga in Capoeira to discuss the issues of emancipation and to celebrate Maroon leader Zombie. King Zombie of Pomeres, history deceives us says everything contrary, even says that abolition happened in the month of May. The proof of this lie is that from misery, I do not escape. Long live the 20th of November, movement to be remembered. I don't see the 13th of May, anything to commemorate. A long time passes and a black man always struggles. Zombie is our hero. Zombie is our hero, old friend of Palmares. He was the leader for the cause of the black man. It was he who fought the most in spite of all the fighting, my friend. The black man did not liberate himself. I'm sorry, the black man did not liberate himself, comrade. So, Copoeira is an Afro-Brazilian martial art used historically to resist slavery and oppression. So it is understandable that a Copoeira master like Mestre Moraes would write such a homage with a grounding in the past, but also expressing the continuing problems of today. The reclaiming of the past to restructure resistance in the present is an ongoing process in Brazil and indeed throughout the Pan-African diaspora. On a trip in 2001 to the Quilombo Santa Joana in Ita Picoru, my Portuguese is terrible, Maranjo, a group of Afro-United Statesian scholars and tourists were treated to a song by the Quilombola, the inhabitants of the Quilombo. The song, I believe it's E Me Pe Quilombo, Hey My Father Quilombo, told of the pride and bravery of the Quilombola and celebrated the life of Zumbi. So we're talking about the celebration of the life of maroon, maroon ship, maroon culture, and indeed zombie, this great maroon leader. Founded in 1821, the Quilombo Santa Joana has a long history of resistance. As it so happened, their song was not originally from the Quilombo, but was created in 1992 by Paulino Acom. Akomambu of Akomambu, a Blanco Afro located in the capital city of Sao Luis, 
Maranjo. A Blanco Afro is a community carnival group that uses African themes. The name Akomambu is from the Ewe language of Ghana in Togo. It means a culture should not die. In this case, a Blanco Afro inspired by the history and social political legacy of the Kilambos created a musical tribute to them. This musical homage was recognized by the Kilambolas themselves as an honest and worthy appreciation of their lives and struggles. They in turn accepted the tribute and incorporated it into their daily lives as a tool for developing self-esteem and to reinvigorate the moral of the Kilambo or the morale of the Kilambo. Haiti provided one of the most important models for Africans living in the United States. News of the Haitian Revolution in 1791 created the Black Scare in the Caribbean and southern United States and led to the doubling of the population of New Orleans in a decade. Most of this new population was freeing Haiti and Cuba, making New Orleans truly a Caribbean city. This same news had the opposite effect on African Americans in the United States. Among other things, it inspired the rebellions of Gabrielle Prosser, 1880, and Denmark Vesey, 1822, encouraged members of the first black Masonic Lodge formed by Prince Hall and led to celebrations in remote black towns like Nicodemus, Kansas more than a century after the end of legal shadow slavery. In 1973, Jose Luciano Franco wrote Los Palenques de los Negros Cimarrones the Palenques of the Black Maroons, which quickly became the definitive book on the Maroons in Cuba. According to Ivar Miller, the appearance of Los Palenques changed the social political discourse in Cuban society. And in 1976, Cuban President Fidel Castro was inspired to declare Cuba as having a Latino-African culture and people. The ideas of the Quilambos, Palenques, and Maroon societies are still alive and informing our lives, whether as found in an independent and secure organization, community, country, or in a more abstract manifestation as a safe intellectual haven, much like uh, black masking culture in, in, in New Orleans, a, a safe intellectual haven for ideas, creativity, g- grassroots movement, cultural and artistic production. I hope you all are enjoying and appreciating uh, this show and this information. Let me stop for a moment and take a drink of water and check my uh my chat here. Uh, yes, 
uh, sweeter than honey. You, you got it right. Thank Juan Milo. Uh, it's going to be said differently in Spanish, in French, in English. But but you've got it. You've got enough to uh, throw that in a Google search and get some African information. Uh, uh, Goat Rider, the Master Builder. Yes, Seminole, a Fractured Creek Nation and a Maroon Collaboration. There is Seminole Country in Florida. Yes, Alexis Williams. Thank you, uh, Uni Unibero. Haven't seen your name in a minute. Greetings, beloved. Thank you for being with us and participating in, in the show. A yes, Goat Rider is right. If his memory is correct, the Seminole in Florida were from a small group who decided to stay and fight when forced to take that trail of death tears. Yeah, my family, the Broomfield side of my family, I call my Broomfield-related, Harris Broomfield-related family and listeners, um, were participants in that uh, forced trail of tears. That's how we ended up in uh, Louisiana and then subsequently in Mississippi. And then um, much of my known family sort of ended the journey there. Any family of mine that continued forward from that journey, um, I'm I'm just now beginning to to locate Oloye, born and raised, well, he wasn't born and raised in Oklahoma. He lives in Oklahoma, but he's uh, west. Um, Northern California I've known family uh, Broomfield in Northern California Um, But we for the most part Made that journey into Louisiana Mississippi and then sort of Branched out from there Uni Univero Says I experienced Toxic Africanism Among my fellow African friends And relatives who claim Africanism by speaking bad English and clinging to the African accents, but cannot speak any African vernacular. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for your participation. Yeah, fact check, fact check everything. I invite you all to always fact check what I say, but most certainly fact check everything. A goat rider the master offers that he was unaware of Treme until the HBO show years after it had been released. Uh, he fell in love with it and watched the series from time to time. Yeah, I actually um, participated in, in Treme on HBO. I, I masked black culture. Um, I did Mardi Gras Indian. Um, I did just carnival masking. I think there was a Halloween masking I did. Uh, that was really my introduction into Hollywood South here in New Orleans was through the HBO series Treme. And things sort of just grew from there. Uh, Daniel Silva, Sleva. I don't know if that's Sleva or Silva. Uh, Sleva, I guess, uh, says he remembers speaking Portuguese in a dream. Uh, greetings, Electro Vibes. Greetings, everyone. I appreciate you. And, of course, my blog, talk, radio, international audience. Let's look and see who's here. Uh, we have new visitors with us. You know, we have our usual India and Bangladesh 
Australia, um, Philippines, Russia, China, Japan, uh, South Korea. We have all of our, our regular Iran is still listening. Turkey is still listening. Ukraine, Finland, uh, Sweden, Norway is still listening. Uh, Kenya is still with us. Uganda is listening. Thank you for being with us. Democratic Republic of Congo is still listening. South Africa is still listening. Nigeria, Ghana are both still listening. Niger uh, is still listening. Uh, We have a new listener. Algeria is now listening. Algeria is a new audience. Thank you so much, Algeria, for listening and participating. Uh, Brazil, thank you so much. Venezuela, regular participants, listeners. Argentina, regular listeners. Uh, Dominican Republic, Haiti uh, is a regular listener. We certainly appreciate the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, Hong Kong. My top listeners, the U.K., Canada, the United States, Australia, Hong Kong. Uh, So I'm going to assume that's the body of English-speaking people on the globe. We know people speak English all over the world, uh, hence my global footprint. But we certainly appreciate all of you, Germany, France, Italy, uh, for listening and invite you to also participate by way of phone, 845-277-9143. You can also uh, participate by following my um, StreamYard link, which changes each broadcast. Uh, it's on the screen right now, so you are invited to turn your cam on and, and your audio, and I'll be more than happy to bring you into this conversation. So I'm, I'm appreciative of everyone. Greetings, Mother. My The Queen Mother is in the house. Greetings, Mom. Thank you for being here. We have about 30 minutes left in the show, so I certainly appreciate everyone's questions, comments, requests. If you're on the phone line, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. I will unmute your mic and bring you into the conversation. You can also type your question, comment, or request into the StreamYard chat, which includes Facebook, Twitter, EarthCam, YouTube. You can also type your question into the blog talk radio chat box as well. We've got about 30 minutes left in the show. I most certainly appreciate your time, your attention. You all were attentive. I certainly um, invite your questions and your comments. I'm going to take a momentary break, and then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit more about cultural legacy as it shows up as a sort of a musical footprint that we leave all over the world, wherever you find us in the Pan-African diaspora, you find this musical footprint. So give me a moment. I will be forward. All is a blessing.
a dash of cayenne to the room. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit, boil a gumbo, hot and steady. Don't care if Freddy ready. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. Build a fire on the bayou. When a black cat scratched at two Under a full moon that's blue Chant the magic words, Kufaru A dash of cayenne to the rule Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Black top hat, black suit too, single rod that molds this through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. A dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put on my green, green suit. Black top hat, black suit too, same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. Going free at the old cemetery, down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne. To the roof, gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Yeah, black top hat, black suit too. Same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them balls out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black sheets too. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne to the room. Gonna put on my grease suit. show up here in the chat and of course my regular co-hosts listeners and participants I'm always grateful and honored that you take the time out of the middle of your day whatever time it is in your time zone to be present here in this shared 
self-created sacred space at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time for revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes, the power lunch, indeed. Uh, somebody in the chat, please tell me, how was the, what did that sound like? I am configured differently today. Um, where I'm located in the house, where the computer is located, where the mic is located, where the camera is located are all configured differently today than when I normally do the podcast. So somebody, please, in the chat, if you will, Give me an idea of the sound quality for Grigory's Suit by Ben E. Hunter that I just played during the intermission. And I don't know what I was thinking. I could have actually played his video. I might do that at the end of the show um, to go along with the song. But if indeed you are live in the chat, thank you, Electro Vibes. Thank you kindly for your responding to my request. Thank you. Yeah, the speakers and the computer are, are a great distance apart from how it's normally set up, so I didn't know how that sound. Uh, thank you, and my mic is good. Okay, great. So I, I might do it this way a little bit more often. Um, I could, you know, be on camera, but I, I just wasn't in the mood today. I'm I'm here. I'm I'm here. I just wasn't in the mood to uh, uh, do my material and stare into the camera today. Um, I got a lot going on over here. Multitasking and everything that I'm doing right now can't be visible on camera. But I appreciate you all. Indeed, some of the most important treasures hidden in the cultural cargo of Africans shipped to the Americas were their ideas concerning music and dance. This is especially true for the people of Central Africa, in particular the Bakongo from the old kingdom of the Congo. Part of this kingdom now forms sections of the current countries of Angola, Brazzaville, Congo, Kinshasa, and Gabon. The Bakongo and those in their sphere of influence made up the largest percentage of enslaved Africans coming to the Americas. They, in turn, had a powerful influence on the musical cultures of the Americas. One Bakongo scholar, Fu Kiyo, K-I-A-U, Kiyo, Fu Kia or Kiyo, philosophizes that about the place of music and dance in Congo tradition. Philosophy is about the place of music and dance in Congo tradition. Drumming, singing, dancing are a source of inspiration, energy, and joy. Congo people drum, sing, and dance to raise their families with the balance provided by the sound of music. They drum, sing, and dance to moan their dead. They drum, sing, and dance to strengthen their institutions. Furthermore, African people drum, sing, and dance because life itself is a perpetual melody. Zingu, Kio, Kibini, Aikumu, Diakwama. 
they produce music and enjoy it, to be in peace with themselves, nature, and with the universe as well. Drumming, singing, and dancing form a powerful spiritual medicine in Kisi that helps one to excel at war, at work, even under opposition. If, as Fukia asserts, music helps one to excel at work, at war, even under oppression, then it was and is a necessary medicine for Africans in the Americas who developed this medicine to a powerful therapeutic dosage and then administered it to an also needy planet. Although one could make a case for other musical influences in the Americas, for example, a West Central Sudanic influence on the blues in the United States, or a Yoruba and Arabic Islamic contribution to rumba vocalizing in Cuba. I will stress the Central African effect on national musics. National musics, wherever national musics are found, because as stated earlier, it is probably the most important. And so we fed culture in the Americas, the descendants and the unfortunate inhabitants of the Middle Passage. The national dance and music of Brazil is samba, which in the Kikongo language can mean to pray or a type of dance. Taken together, these two definitions can also represent a process in African-Brazilian ritual performance in which a sacred candable or umbanda ceremony ends and becomes a secular samba party. The word can also be written as insamba with the same meaning as a type of dance. A cognate word in Brazilian Portuguese is bamba which can mean an important person in the Samba world or an authority on any topic. The word Bamba is derived from Kibamba, Kikongo, and Kimbandu can mean champion, hero, courageous. The instrument most identified with Brazilian Samba is the Cuca or Puta or Unca. Oh, my Brazilian, my, my Portuguese speakers, where are you? Help me, help me. A type of friction drum from Central Africa where it is known as Cuica or Puita, obviously related to the American instrument. A similar drum is known as the Kenfuti in Cuba. Argentina and Uruguay are known for the music and dance tango, which is an outgrowth of other older African-based dances and musical forms of milonga, candombe, and cayongue, and habanera, a rhythm from Cuba. 
It is interesting to note that the most prolific writer of Milongas was the African-Argentinian Gabino Aziza, born 1858, died in 1916, with more than 500 compositions to his credit. In Kikongo, the term related to tango is tanga, meaning fest, festival, banquet which is exactly how the word tango was used in the Afro-Argentine newspapers. In the early 1800s, both Buenos Aires and Montevideo had weekly dances or parties referred to as tango de los negros, tangos of the blacks. Another associated term is tanganga, tangana, which means to go, to walk like a chameleon with the idiomatic sense of to walk that walk or to strut. Although there were numerous earlier tangos, the first tango with a known author was El Interariano, the person from Entre Rios, written in 1896 by Rosendo Mendezovo an Afro-Argentine accordionist. Despite the abundant musical and etymological evidence in Argentina and Uruguay, the African cultural contribution is obscured through racism and poorly constructed history. And we could say a great deal about voodoo and its birthing here in, in Congo Square of, of jazz and jazz tradition uh, and how it continues to sort of mask that traditional voodoo footprint from which uh, jazz was indeed uh, born from, given birth from. In Cuba, the African contribution is now celebrated as in President Castro's declaration of Cuba's Latino-African ethos. The rumba is generally considered the most influential secular music and dance form in Cuba. In Central African roots, its Central African roots are obvious from the word rumba itself to the type of drum, conga, used to perform it. The word is probably derived from the Kikongo lumba, to go, walk, walk out, or get down. There are three basic styles of rumba. Yambu, a slow, elegant couples dance. Guacano, where's my Puerto Rican community, my, my Spanish speakers? Guacuano, a dance of flirtatious competition between male and female dancers. And Colombia, a fast solo demonstration of athleticism performed by males. Yambu is derived from the Kikongo Diambu, word, opinion, thought, judgment. The plural of Diambu is Mambu, which is the source of the word in the dance Mambo in Cuba. Wakano is most likely derived from the Kikano phrase Kwa Wako, literally meaning you never listen. The phrase is also 
and onomatopoetic, onomatopoetic rendering of the playing of a drum or the clicking of stick together. And interestingly, the clave, the basic rhythm pulse of rumba, is maintained by striking together a pair of hard wooden sticks, also known as clave. In rumba, the standard drum is called the conga drum because of its Congolese cultural origin. Within the rumba instrument ensemble, the largest drum with the lowest pitch is called the tambadora, which likely derived from the tamba or ditamba drum of Central Africa. Both words are from the Kikongo and Kilumba languages. In 1998, Lubanji Muniania, then Director of Education at the Museum of African Art in New York City, produced a lecture and concert called From Ditamba to Simbadora to celebrate the Central African heritage in Cuban music. Tamba Francesca is the name of a song and dance form performed by Haitians living in eastern Cuba. Making a return trip to Africa in the late 1950s, Cuban rumba became rumba with an H, R-H-U-M-B-A, as opposed to rumba, R-U-M-B-A. In 1950, Cuban rumba became rumba in the Congo and functioned as the foundation for the popular music created by musicians and singers like Tubale or to- Habule and Franco. Cumbia is the most representative music and dance of Colombia, but it has also become popular throughout the Americas and the Caribbean. The name Cumbia, C-U-M-B-I-A, is derived from the Kikongo verb comba, to flow, to move like a current, to carry in great quantities. There is also the noun combi, an institution for female initiation, candidate for initiation, a dance form during the initiation process, or a person who carries knowledge, leading to combia combia, a way of moving in the dance. The cumbia of Colombia is closely associated with the Palenque de San Basilio, in which Palenque, a Kikongo-based language, is still spoken in Brazil today. In Puerto Rico, the national musical genre mostly associated with the islands, African roots, is bamba, B-O-M-B-A, bamba. It may have originated in San Domingo, now known as Haiti, and migrated to other Caribbean islands after 1815. Some scholars have speculated that its African origin is in Ghana, but because of the word itself and the style of drumming and dancing, a Congo origin for bamba seems more accurate. In Kikongo, bamba means to exhort or to persuade. Another dance-related term in Kikongo is bambakana. 
bambakana, meaning to dance face-to-face, bumping into each other. A scripture that is true for both bamba in Puerto Rico and rumba in Cuba. The bamba drumming style of sitting astride a horizontal drum while playing it is similar to other Central African derived forms of drumming found in the Americas. These practices include ka drumming or kalenda. And you see here in Congo Square on on an average Sunday between 4 and 6 o'clock in the afternoon on the average Sunday in in Congo Square, you're going to hear and see kalenda. You're going to hear and see bambula. You're going to hear and see many of these um, ethnic, ethnocultural uh, uh, Pan-African nuances uh, that represent peoples, powers, locations. You'll see that demonstrated, dance and, and drum here in, on Sundays, Sunday afternoons in Congo Square. Again, these practices include ka, drumming for kalenda, a stick-fighting tradition found in Trinidad, Kwaka music, Martinique, and Guadalupe, Comina, religious and secular music of Jamaica, and the rural style of merengue in the Dominican Republic. Appropriately for the words ka, kalenda, and guaca, the words ka, K-A and Ka, K-H-A, in Kikongo, signify the onomatopoetic crack or noise made by the chopping of an axe or the blow of a stick and obviously the striking of, of, of a drum, often on the lift of the drum with a stick. A genre like reggae, although a relatively young musical form, has roots in other Afro-Jamaican musics like Mento, Rocksteady, Sky, Revival, and and Nyabingi, as well as gospel, rhythm, blues, and pop songs from from the United States. And one of the most important elements in reggae is the Nyabingi drumming style, which, because of Jamaica's strong connection, to Akan culture was thought to be rooted in Ghana. In reality, Nyabinging drumming is more closely connected to two older Congo-based traditions, Buru and Kumina. Buru is a secular percussion style found in the parishes of St. Catherine and, and Clarendon. Kumina is a Congo-based religious form brought to Jamaica by indentured servants in the mid-1800s. Kamina practitioners belong to what they call the Bongo Nation, and they have their own language term country. Some people call it African or Congo language, most heavily influenced by Kikongo in grammar and vocabulary. And like many Congo-based religions in the Americas, Palomante, Mayombe in Cuba, Mbanda in Kabula in, in Brazil, Kandable, I'm sorry, Kandambe in Uruguay and Argentina, Kumina centers on possession by the spirit of the dead. And indeed, when we look at um, uh, possession and ceremony and, 
in Louisiana or, or Haiti for that matter, uh, spirit possession of the dead is often not the goal. Uh, in fact, in Haitian voodoo, uh, we say Gede and, and Gede is often um, disruptive and gyrates overtly sexually or uses a great deal of profanity, drinks up all your rum, eats up all your sweets, um, and indeed will reveal uh, family secrets, much like the drunk uncle, you know, the drunk cousin that shows up at the family reunion and tells everybody, spills everybody's tea, tells everybody's, you know, secrets and then upturns, you know, the event. And, and so these um, practices and, and traditions and, and drum rhythms and dances, for that matter, center on possession by the spirits of the dead. So I'm going to um, wrap up here, and if any of you have, indeed, questions, comments, um, requests, if you would like access to this document, I'd be more than happy to share that with you. The title of this paper, Treasure in the Terror, is a dramatic stating of an often unacknowledged reality. And that is to say that even in the darkest moments of enslavement, Africans brought with them and maintained their cultural treasures. Even, and I'll say especially here in North America, and by doing so, they greatly enriched their new environments in the Americas. To restate an important point, when Africans were brought against their will to the Americas, they may have come empty-handed, but they didn't come empty-headed. Those African heads and minds and consciousness were and are filled with intellectual histories and proclivities and they were full of creative potential desiring to be fulfilled. However, because of ongoing racial oppression in the Americas, in particular in the United States, the African intellectual and artistic contribution in the forming of contemporary cultures is rarely discussed or taught. There is only the brief consideration given to slavery and to the civil rights movement as though African history and thought began with European contact and ended with a few minor social reforms. We are afflicted with continuous generational amnesia regarding Africans and their place in the American society. The reality that we live is, however, quite different. According to Prince Brown, Jr., America is a multicultural society sheathed in a European veneer. This is true for all of the Americas. We are prevented from learning about and celebrating the African legacy because of this European veneer, which was created and perpetuated by a blindly Eurocentric educational structure. And because of white supremacy as a pervasive international philosophy, philosophical system. This veneer also negatively affects the appreciation of the offerings of the indigenous people of the Americas and non-European immigrants as well. Treasure in the Terror, the African cultural legacy in the Americas, has offered only a cursory discussion of the African ideas regarding politics, 
music, and religion as found in the Americas. It has looked at how through their resistance to slavery and through their uh, aspirations for liberation, Africans helped construct American ideas concerning freedom and the social political structures now found in this hemisphere. This paper has also focused on their musical contributions in Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Cuba, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, and Uruguay. It has not discussed the rich legacy of Africans in the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Panama, Peru, the United States, or numerous other nations where there were also major cultural and philosophical offerings. I only shared this document with you as a comparison and a mutual understanding between the families and the children and the descendants of the Middle Passage. Yet, even with this brief description and in spite of its omissions, we can see that without the African contribution, there could be no contemporary Americas as we know them. Through worldwide telecommunications and the Internet and through the distribution of recordings and cinema, the cultures of the African Americas have been shared with a greater international audience. Using their philosophical, artistic, and religious creations and continuations, Africans in the Americas have made this planet immeasurably richer. It is time to honor the treasures they have shared with all of us. See Daniel Dawson, New York City, December 26th. 2002. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I certainly appreciate each and every one of you for showing up and being present for revolutionary New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes this Monday, November 8, 2021. I look forward to another powerful edition with you next time at high noon. Thank you kindly, Blog Talk Radio, for your listenership and your continued participation. Thank you, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, uh, who am I missing, EarthCam, uh, YouTube, and, of course, enjoy me in archives by, by visiting my YouTube page. You can also uh, visit this show in audio archive at Blog Talk Radio blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie be like victor o-o-d-o-o-t-y-e all is truly and indeed a blessing until next time be loved be liked Be safe, be cautious, (laughs) be blessed. All is a blessing. Thank you, everyone. Peace and love, joy and prosperity, divine all blessed manifestation. Thank you, Block Talk Radio. As always, I am grateful and Appreciative.
Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drum, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be 
be we beating place in new world space beating being in place in new world preserving our ancient pace our dance is the god walk our music the god talk first thing we do let's get together circle ourselves into community no beginning no end connected together and singing ringing singing in a ring second let's be original aboriginal be what we were before we became what we are be bambula dance be bonza music and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, No matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat, be. Beat. 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 Beat.
Congo Square. B. Congo Square. B. 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 Remember. Yeah. 